podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. The t-shirt down the bottom, you can see, is Lawrence Conley. And up top, we've got our Japanese correspondent, Liam Carrigan. And we're back for the Tuesday Bulletin, talking all things Celtic. Um, I took a wee wander around a different kind of paradise yesterday. Lawrence, first of all, how good was it to see Stevie Mullen back on a Celtic state of mind? Mate, absolutely outstanding. I was just chatting to him, funnily enough, up at James McGrory Park on Sunday. I popped in. Mm-hmm. myself and Kevin for the penalty spot and, and, and lo and behold Stevie's there doing the work in the background as always you know they had a, a mental health walk you know part of their what they do as a community club you know helping people in the community and obviously Stevie Ted and Andy you know they're all integral to, to try to make the community a better place for everyone and uh, yeah Stevie's knowledge of football just outstanding just an alright good, good guy Stevie Mall. No, oh, yes he's brilliant and um, I was talking to him yesterday about Back in the day when we started the live streaming and uh, Stevie was pivotal in the early days coming through to the studio um, and we both really enjoyed getting that catch up. Obviously, we're in touch on a regular basis anyway. We were up at James McGrory Park having a wander around, having a look about the park. Obviously, we've got the big game coming up next month, 15th of October, Centenary. And we were looking at ways on how we could maybe stream the game live on the channel because uh, obviously it's sold out. Over 800 tickets, Liam. And by the way, this is hardcore. This is people going up to the stadium and buying proper paper tickets, none of this online digital um, stuff. Um, and, and they sold out in 48 hours. So we're up there yeah, to see if we can get up in that gantry, get a couple of us commentating um, and get the game live streamed to the wider audience. There's plenty of people out there who have come to us asking for tickets, but I'm pretty sure, you know, all over the globe, there's going to be an interest because there's a lot of old Celtic faces going to be in that Celtic select side, Liam. Always great to see. Mm. Aye. Aye, absolutely. And, um, you know, if we do get a streaming option, you know, put me down for the, I'll, I'll pay, whatever, you know, five or ten or whatever it is to, to get access to that. I'd be quite happy to uh, chip in for that. I think that's a brilliant idea. And like you say, it's got global appeal. I know, well, I know quite a few guys in Australia that will be up for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, through, this uh, is the thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully we can get the tech set up and we're, we're able to do it just as a normal live stream, hopefully without any paywall. We're looking into it just now and um, we are going to bring in as many comments as possible. Paddy, I've not seen your name popping up for a wee while. Great to hear from you afternoon all. And of course, Jungle Lion, hello all the way from Dublin. Great to see you guys coming into the chat. Barry O'Sullivan, afternoon all. I'm going to start off with this one because we spoke about it yesterday. Does anyone know how Marco Tillio got on in the B team uh, over the weekend? Hail, hail. They were, of course, playing um, Air United in a testimonial. And i seen um, yesterday that Dundee had announced Celtic as the opponents in a testimonial. Ne- uh, November it is. So we we got talking, Lawrence. I know you used to go and watch the reserves on a Friday. Would I be right and say it was a Friday night you would go mm. and watch them at Barrafield? 
No, we, it used to be on during the week, uh, like Wednesday lunchtime, Thursday lunchtime and stuff. You, you get along and watch them, mate. And then the, the bigger games, they would move to Celtic Park. Mm. You know, but you might get like five minutes notice. Game's about to kick off. Ah, uh, there's enough of you see it to move it to Celtic Park. So you better hurry up and get down there. Incredible. <laughs> there, there were actually people, Lawrence, believe it or not, there, there were people saying, "Listen, move the St. Rock Centenary game to a bigger stadium." so we can come along to it. But I think the key to this is that you have it in the heart of the community that the club's been serving so well throughout that 100 years. So it's important that the game's played at James McGrory Park, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Just to remember, I remind people where St Rocks are based. I know Andy and Ted and the rest of the crew have a, a lot of plans to do work in the stadium. They're looking at bringing the pitch up to SPFL level. That doesn't mean AstroTurf. That means grass, SPFL level, you know, dimensions, etc., which will be great. Hopefully, get the social club rebuilt, get four sides of the stadium done. But, yet, you know, they've got great plans there. I think they're launching a business club. I've even heard there might be an after party after the game, but that's still to be confirmed. Yeah, well... Liam, I don't know if you'd travel over just for the after party. I don't know if that's going to be live-streamed. switch the cameras off for that but no listen it's going to be phenomenal because uh, there are different eras of Celtic players uh, involved Scott McDonald's going to be teaming up with Andy Payton and Joe Miller and Rudy Vata and John Hughes and various other names it's absolutely phenomenal Paul Byrne coming over from Ireland it's going to be a great day and I'm really looking forward to it and kind of privileged really to, to be part of it now double denim coming in we are starting to see one of the key evolutions of Celtic under Brendan well football under Ange was direct and exciting we were also vulnerable and sometimes easy to pick off, now we look hard to beat um, we're going to be talking about that evolution we're going to be talking about the game plan that Rogers is implementing, but there was a chat there about uh, Marco Tilio, Liam and you know that your mm. um, your partner on the old CDU, the Celtic Down Under podcast, Jared, is a big fan of Tilio. I've got concerns that, uh, not particularly with him, but with some of the kind of fringe players, they could stagnate if we don't get games, proper games, in their legs. And we were talking there about the B-team game against Ayr and how we could, you know, possibly organise more competitive games for these fringe players. Because we have seen this season, um, it's been all too stark, the realisation that, you know what, within a week you could lose quite a few players and you need to call on somebody coming in. They're coming in from the cold. Scales had a season behind them at Aberdeen. A lot of these guys don't have that kind of football in their legs. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Air is definitely a a step up from what the, uh, you know, the the calibre of opposition that the B team would usually face. You know, a, a good championship team with ambition to get into the top flight. So, you know, it's, um, it's, Ideally, you still would want them to be able to play in, you know, Premier League games, but that's not that's not particularly practical at the moment. So, yeah, games like that, like you said, if there's a game coming up against Dundee at some point, that would be ideal as well. Um, yeah, these guys need to be ready to go, particularly in the case of our defenders, because, you know, if Liam Scales gets an injury, what are we going to do? And also, Lagabielka has not not exactly inspired confidence in his last couple of games, um, although I do believe he'll come good. Um, so there is that as well. 
I think the defence is a good point because Kobayashi played in the game against Air mm-hmm. United. Um, he's a player obviously identified by Ange Postacoglu uh, as being that central defensive uh, backup. I think last season was the plan. Hasn't quite worked out for him, but the only way that it can work out is if he gets game time. I mean, he can go to training week in, week out, day in, day out. And a game every month isn't good enough. So we were talking yesterday, Lawrence, about having some kind of um, situation where there's a schedule of matches, be that European sides under-23 sides from down south, games like the one coming up against Dundee, Air United, a higher calibre than 50-year Scottish football. I think it's got to happen because otherwise these guys are not going to be ready when called upon for the first team. You know, uh, Tommy Burns done it to get the boys' European experience. Remember, he used to have a few games organised you know, without a Europe early in those days. There was no surprise. But Tommy realised the importance of getting the guys' exposure against a higher level of football. And I think done it in uh, 67 season. There was, a couple of, there was at least one friendly game against an Eastern European team before Bodger Fadero, wasn't there? So, yeah. you know, I understand them going, look, we need to get these guys used to either a different type of football or football at that level. Mm-hmm. There's no reason, you know, why we couldn't do it. Can you imagine? Uh, I'm still going to call it the reserve team. I know it's under 21s or whatever. But the reserve's been down and, and got a game, game against QPR in London. Something like that. Or, or West Ham. Oof. Yeah, imagine imagine the tickets there, and it'd be good for the boys for the, the Cock Tavern, eh, then Wimbledon Sports Club over at the Irish Centre. How come? How come Lawrence knows where all the boozers are, Liam? And <laughs> all these far flung places. You know, when we went in, we went two years ago, Lawrence. Two years ago, we went to London, didn't we? Yes. The awards and, and uh, Lawrence right. knew exactly where to go for a pint and who had the best Guinness and everything else. Oh. Lawrence, I, I'm not casting aspersions, but you know, Mate, Sean pop- Robert Cock Tavern. Two supporters clubs in there, RNT based out of there. You know, <laughs> it's got a lot of things going for it. Right. So there, there's advantages uh, for the footballers, but also any travelling fans going to these games as well. Actually, you, you made a, a great point about what Jock Steen used to do because it was around about that time in 1968 that there was a proposal to the league to bring Celtic's reserve team into the league structure. I mean, he was thinking about this all those years ago. Um, and to show the league uh, that we could go and, and compete and also that we could take a fan base to these places, there was a number of games. I mean, we went down south, we played Carlisle's first team and beat them, for example. And there was a few other games, Rotherham. When we put out the B team. Yeah. That, that I am. Again, well, it was, and it was like the Gleish McCarry, and that absolutely hammered him. Exactly. John Gorman, and, and John Gorman eventually went there. Uh, he got a transfer there, but we also did it against a lot of Scottish sides, and we were taking crowds to places like uh, Oakle View and Recreation Park and all these different places in Scotland to show the league that you, there, there would be a support to, to watch these young, exciting players. Um, and I think it's a wee bit different now in that we've got a big squad now. Back then, you know, you could go through a whole campaign with a very small squad, even a centenary team. That was made up of like 15, 16 players. Now we've got a huge squad and you've got to make sure that all the players that aren't classed as as youth players or even B-team players are still getting game time. When was the last time, seriously, when was the last time James McCarthy played a game of football? I mean, it's no good for a footballer to be stagnating like that. And the other one's Quan. Quan's not kicked a competitive ball for Celtic yet. Uh, Kobayashi, Mikey Johnson coming back for injury. He needs proper games before he can get brought back into the side. So it was a discussion yesterday. What do you make of that? What's your comments? Let us know in the comment section. We've got the Urban Culture in that comment section. He's commenting because he's subscribed to the YouTube channel. It's free. Get in there. Get subscribing. Hit the notifications bell. Loads of new content coming up between now and the awards in November as well. 
just to uh, showcase some of the stuff that we've been doing. The Urban Culture says, Good day, fellow Axrom addicts. The sun is shining in the west. Is that the west or the west? Oh, we are I get west. totally west quite it, a lot. It must be over Galway or somewhere. I'm not too sure with these days now. The sun's not shining where I am. Uh, I don't know about you. It's nighttime where Liam is. Uh, Mikey boy, I think any new style play after Ange Ball is going to be perceived as less exciting and entertaining. Uh, Double Denim is spot on. We now look difficult to beat, which was always an issue. We're going to be talking about the style and the game plan of Brennan, but I want to talk about a player specifically before we go into any of that. And I'm going to start with Liam Carrigan because Liam Carrigan has been talking about Dyson Maeda before he even signed for Celtic. And then, during every single part of his Celtic career, you have supported him. He's your favourite player, Liam, isn't he? Yeah. Dies in yeah. the era. Um, and it must be great for yourself, who's championed this player uh, all along, to hear comments like those made by Brendan Rodgers, because he really is pivotal to the success that we're enjoying at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, it, this might sound a bit hyperbolic, but as someone who, as of yesterday, has lived in Japan for 17 years, <laughs> um, the uh, the thing about, about Dyson is that he embodies, for me, everything that's good about Japanese football and Japanese sports people in general. Um, superb work ethic, tireless um, effort, constant willingness to learn and adapt and take on board, um, you know, critique and advice from his coaches Mm -hmm. um, and extremely humble, but uh, not afraid to get stuck in when it's necessary either. You know, Um, he really is just the, to me, he's the complete, you know, there are better, there are more skillful players at Celtic Park. There are better finishers at Celtic Park. Um, There's probably nobody faster than Dyson at Celtic Park, but um, you know, I think just in terms of attacking and defending overall effort, I think the guy's the first name on the team sheet every week now. The big thing for me as well, um, I want a few ghosts of Champions League past to be absolutely diminished and blown out the water this year. And I think uh, a lot of people talk about Kyogo. Talk about Kyogo getting that Champions League goal. Uh, breaking the duck, etc. But I also want to see Maeda because people go back to that Real Madrid game, Liam, at that, mm. that moment, that moment, the, the miss, um, and how things could have been all so different. I'm pretty sure Real Madrid could have still gone up a couple of gears. I, I, you know, we were doing so well at the time, though, but that could have changed the, the whole uh, look of that game. Um, but since then, there's only one game that that absolutely baffled me with Dyson. And it was at Easter Road last season <laughs> where he was like a man possessed. And that's the only time I can remember him in a Celtic jersey where I just thought, wow, what's going on there? But the rest of the time, I think back to the, the goal that he sets up for Jota, the assist last season, where he's managed to somehow latch onto the ball, turn and cross all in the one movement. It was an incredible um, assist for Jota's header at the back post. Um, that was one of my favourite moments. And then in the cup final, where he sets up Kyogo by mishitting the ball. Th- this is why we love Maida. Uh, this is mm. why we love him. And then at the, the end of the game there at the weekend, uh, fantastic, will be remembered for the goal. But the moment in the game that, that I was going to point out yesterday, I forgot to do so, was where he's ran from the left-hand side of the park because Hatati's lost possession. And Atati's trying to win the ball back, but it's Maeda that wins it back. But he must have ran 
you know, 40, 50 yards to, to win possession back for Hatati. And I just think, thought to myself, the guy's tireless. Um, and he's he's a team player. He's the type of guy you can really rely on. Um, Lawrence, th- there's plenty of players at the moment from, I would say, the early part of Angie's career. I mean, the first two transfer windows, really, who are really uh, putting in a shift for Brendan Rodgers. He's relying on a lot of those guys, isn't he? And Dyson Maida is one of them. So you've got to rely on what's here, but there's obviously a wee bit of adjustment to, to the Rodgers style from Ange. Yeah. Early in the season, you know, people say, Maeda, you know, is his heart in it? You know, he mentioned that comment about Spurs. And I think it was just adjusting, you know, it's no coincidence that, you know, people go, oh, maybe Taylor's not a player, but Maeda was a wee bit off it. Now Maeda's delivering again. People going, oh, look at Taylor. How well is he playing? Well, a lot of that's down to Maeda. You know, when you're on the park, as much of the ball Celtic have, you personally aren't going to have a lot of the ball in terms of 90 minutes. It's really about what you do off the ball, isn't it? And, and nobody outworks Dyson. <laughs> you know, just no one outworks him. You could, you know, if you put the monitors on, he's probably doing the work about two guys there. You know, and it, cause that was the point Brennan made, right. wasn't it? Well, if you're playing left back and you, you've got two guys on you and you, your left winger's not coming back to help you, you can feel a wee bit lonely. Especially if you, the guy to the right of you, has only just come in the team that you know there's questions marks over him. You know, Dyson, you know, he covers and he gives his all for his teammates. You know, it, it makes it the park small when we don't have the ball. And when we have, we have the ball, ball, he makes the park big. That's what you want him to do. He stretches defences. He's cracking football for us, but just his work rate's phenomenal. You know, it is. You know, and he's got to be doing the work of two guys there because you, you, you look up, as you said, Hattati's always about who's chasing it down, Maeda. Taylor's got about who's looking through it, but it's Maeda. You know, mm-hmm. who's pressing it? Oh, that's Maeda. He just He's a manager's dream. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And look, there's been a wee bit of early season for the whole team adjusting to the change. And not only in styles between Rodgers and Ange, but an unsettled defence. Let's be honest. Massively, you know, massively for, unsettled. For, for, for all that's unsettled, when did we last lose a goal in Scotland? That defence. You, you, know, you, you know, you can kind of criticise and go, scales isn't maybe the level we want, and Lagabelle, because he's not looked 100% comfortable, but guess what? If they keep going on keeping clean sheets in Scotland, you know, they can look as uncomfortable as they want if you don't lose a goal. I, I think we'll look back on this this period as being absolutely pivotal, right? Because what will happen is Catavickers will come back to full, full fitness. He will be the star man within that central defensive partnership. He'll play alongside whoever is the man with the jersey, the man who's on form. And we'll go on and we'll build our season from there. But you'll look back at this this run of uh, this run of fixtures, you know, Ibrox, the Tony Macaroni, mm-hmm. third part coming up. And I think what has been pivotal has been the central defensive partnership. So fancy them uh, or, or not, they've done the job and they've done it really, really well, the pair of them, Scales and it. Lagerbjerg. At away games where we struggle, mm-hmm. you know, when the heat is on, the pressure's on, these are the guys that have stepped up and have done it, you know. For all I, I, you know, I think we can definitely get a better centre-half than Scales. He's come out with the right attitude and said, I'm going to make it difficult for Brendan. You know, Scales, no... He's probably looking at Carter Vickers because he's fit. He's in my place. Rocket can maybe take my place. I'm going to do everything I can to keep this jersey. You can't fault his work rate either with skills. You can't fault his attitude. He's making it difficult for Brendan when these guys come back. 
You know, it's not straight away. I scales has been open, just get him straight out. Brendan's going to no. have to think and go. Those are, boys haven't lost a goal between them. Well, they're really for funny me, break that up just now. For me, Lawrence, as soon as Carter Vickers comes back, and, and obviously we've been told it's early October thing, he'll be coming back. Scales doesn't get dropped for me. Scales is your left-hand uh, central defender. I mean, at the moment, that that's how I would look at it. And by the way, Lagerbjelk's come in, and I don't think he was bought to play as a first-choice centre-half. He was bought to develop him, and then obviously he'd be back up, he'd get games, and you would work him into the squad that way. I don't think he was bought to replace uh, Starfield. Novroski, on the other hand, you know, he is a player that you brought in at that price. He was he was a replacement for Starfield. But what's happened is, obviously, the injury crisis. And, and from that, I think what's come to the top, for me, is Liam Scales. So, Carter Vickers comes back. Right now, if he was coming back for the Motherwell game, Carter Vickers plays, but he plays alongside Scales for me. And I don't think you're, you're dropping Lager Bielka as such due to bad form. I think you're basically saying to the boy, listen, Carter Vickers is the main man here. You've done well. You'll get more game time. But if you were to pick between the two of them, Liam, at the moment, mm. I'm picking scales. You know, I never thought I would say this because, you know, I'm also on record as saying a few weeks ago that I didn't think scales was Celtic class. Um, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, scales, if it's, a, if it's a straight up choice between dropping either Lagabioka or scales to make room for Carter Vickers, it's Lagabielka. Um Scales has been the more solid of the two. In the fullness of time, Lagabielka may well develop into a better player. But at the moment, on form, on um, effort, on confidence, it's Scales. Definitely. Um, definitely. Especially with him having that left that left-sided ability, as you said. And um, just to touch on something Lawrence mentioned there. Greg Taylor, it's really, I don't think it's a coincidence that he had arguably his best game of the season at the weekend when Alistair Johnson has come back into the team and is doing really well. And in front of him, he's got Maeda playing the best football he's played for a while as well. I think Greg Taylor is one of those guys that thrives on having, you know, better players around him. That have, means he has to raise his game. Um, I liken it to like, I don't know if you guys ever watched darts, you know when you watch darts, right, and one guy throws 26, and then the, the, his opponent will step up and throw like 26. Then the guy does a 180, and his opponent does a 180, and you're like, well, how the hell couldn't you do that two minutes ago? Yeah. Greg Taylor is the footballing equivalent of that. <laughs> when when the other guys are throwing 26s, so is he. When they're hitting 180s, he'll hit a 180, you know? No, definitely. And, and what we're going to get at the end of this, this crisis is we're going to get defenders that you know you can trust as backups. You know, you're going to have centre-halves and you think, well, I'd much rather Carter Vickers was playing, but in the eventuality that he's suspended, injured or, or otherwise, you know that you've got someone who can step in. I feel pretty confident in the right-back position, for example. I know Ralston's not everybody's cup of tea. I've told you how much I love Ralston, right? Johnson's the first pick. Of course he is. But if he needs to miss a few games, you bring in Ralston. And yeah, I think there is a drop. There is a drop in quality, but you're not dropping off the edge of a cliff. You know, you can rely on Tony Ralston for 99% of the games that you play. And I think left-back is a concern in that respect with Burnaby. But the central defensive uh, partnership that we've seen over the last few weeks, I think it's going to bode well throughout the season, even if the two of them aren't first choices. It gives you that confidence that if anything happens, you've got those two guys. Now, before we move on from Maeda, Liam, I'm going to ask you a question about 
Europe. Now, right. obviously, we've seen Feyenoord. We've seen what we had to do. We had a game plan. That had to change in-match. I thought we'd done really well to do it under the circumstances. And it's under difficult circumstances, injuries, red cards, etc. And I think that, you know, I was looking at Maida and I was looking at the role that Hatate was playing. And I thought Maida might have suited that role a bit better because of his engine. Is there a situation in Europe? We've got a game coming up against Lazio after the Motherwell game. Is there a situation in Europe where you might see Maeda playing more centrally. And by the way, not dropping Kyogo, but changing the shape slightly up top. Can you see Rodgers doing that in Europe? I would love to see us go to a kind of a, almost a sort of a 3-5-2, if you like, with keeping this keeping the midfield trio, but then having Johnson and um, Taylor pushing up to support as inverted fullbacks, as they, as they call them, and then also having, you know, Maeda basically playing off of Kyogo as our main striker. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a system I would love to see. Japan play that from time to time. Um, they played that sort of system for the second 45 minutes against Turkey in their friendly last week. Now, neither, neither Kyogo nor Dyson scored, but they both looked pretty effective they had great communication with each other, working off each other in that system. And it was the same sort of thing you see in Scotland every week with them constantly switching in and out. You know, he shows up on the right wing one minute, shows up on the left wing the next, shows up on the centre. Um, and the, the, the Turks just didn't know what to do with it. You know, I think, I think it was uh, 4-2 to Japan at the end. Um, and really, you know, I would love to see us try that in Europe. I don't know if we've quite got the... You know the kind of a the the confidence to try that, but I, I think it could really, especially against a team like Lazio, where mm-hmm. you've got you've got to rattle them early in order to get something out of them. Um, they are a team who, a bit like Rangers in the sense that, well, I mean, <laughs> politically definitely like Rangers, but I mean, um, in, in the in the in the footballing sense, you notice that when Rangers get ahead, they tend to bully teams. You know, if they get an early goal, they'll end up winning three or four nothing. If they don't get that early goal, they struggle and their fans turn on them and so yeah. on and so forth. Lazio are exactly the same. If Lazio get an early goal, they can win fairly comfortably. If they don't get that early goal, their fans get irate, the players get nervous, and they are not doing particularly well in Serie A at the moment, if you look at the, the table. So... I definitely think Celtic's best chance of getting something out of this group is to beat Lazio home and away. And I saw enough from the Feyenoord game last week to think if we have 11 men on the pitch and we have the likes of Carter Vickers back in the team by the next time we play them, at Celtic Park, we could take them. They're a very good team, no question. But if it just clicks on the night, we we could beat them. Yeah, and then at that point, and I, and I know how difficult Atletico Madrid is going to be, but at that point, I think you look back on the 2-0 game, Liam, and you think, well, we didn't capitulate. And that that's so important. Yeah. At the time, it would have been easy. I think McGregor spoke about it after the game. It could have been 3-4-5 at that point, down to nine men at that kind of stage away from home. But uh, we didn't. We didn't succumb to that. Now, you make a point, Liam. I'm going to throw this one to Lawrence, right? Because what you've just made a, a point uh, about regarding the shape of the side had you made that this time last year, I'd have thought no chance there because Ange wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not criticising Ange Postacoglu. He was a phenomenal 
coach. He was a phenomenal figure at Celtic over a two-year period, and I'm not criticising him for anything that he did. And what he's going to go and do at Spurs, I think he's given them an inkling of what he's capable of as well. But when you mention it and Brendan Rodgers is in, tar- in charge, it actually sounds as though it could happen. Uh, and see this adaptability, Lawrence, that's something for me that, that Rodgers does have that the previous gaffer probably didn't. You know, he would he would possibly change the shape, whereas I don't think we've seen it a great deal. I'm not saying he never did it, but he, we didn't see it a great deal under Ange. Very rigid um, and very successful, so rightly so. But I think Brendan would uh, adapt in Europe to try and be pragmatic and get a result. What's your take on it? Well, listen, I think Andrew's pretty clear. You know, that was his niche, that one style of attacking football, that was it. Uh, I don't think that's Brendan at all. You know, he's tried Maeda through the middle uh, pre-season when Kyogo was injured. I think he's definitely going to be a lot more pragmatic. But McGraw t- talked about it at the action. Like, you know, football's a lot more fluid now. There's very few teams will just stick to one formation throughout a game. You, yeah. know, you need to be have in-game changes. You know, we have the players that can do that. Maeda have been one of them. They can play a number of positions. Greg Taylor, you know, he can play fullback. He can come into midfield. He's starting midfield in Kilmarnock. So, I think so. That, that Rodgers will definitely be a, a lot more pragmatic or a different style to Ange in terms of it's not just that one attacking formation. That's not going to be it. He's going to be switched on to, you know, fluid formations throughout the game. Even though we get beat against Feyenoord, I think... Uh, it was a more solid performance than I've seen fr- from some of Rogers' teams in Europe. You know, they stuck to the game pa- plan better. Mm-hmm. They seem to be taking, you know, I know we went down to nine, but less risks up until half to, up until the, that free kick goal. There's nothing between the teams. You're away from home. They fire not. And I know they did their front line out, but we had our injury, injury challenges too. Yeah. There's nothing to pick between us. And you think this is looking a fairly accomplished performance. Then you lose a free kick goal. Then you lose a couple of players, and you, you know it's keep the score down. You know, don't lose the head, which the team seem to do. And, and Liam's talked about having the confidence to do it. I think that the players are going to get confidence in Brendan Rodgers through this run of games in Scotland and uh-huh. against Fyrenoord because it's all okay saying he's an elite manager. Look what he's done with other teams. It's another thing when they're loving it out, and you've got guys like Scales and Langabielka, very much second choice centre halves going. Actually, we're not getting muddled with these guys at the back. We're following what the manager's saying. It's, it's working. working. With, yeah, yeah. You know, we're getting belief. And, you know, the players need to believe if they're going to achieve anything. So, I I think, yeah, we've got to look to... You've got to look to win your home games here. Lazio's not a, the greatest start. You know, there's no reason why we can't go and do it. Lenny done it with his team. Mm-hmm. You know? Great no, night. No that was a great night at Celtic Park. Yes. And who was that, who was that sitting next to that night? Andrew Innes with a primal scream. I might have mentioned it on the show a few times since that happened. But uh, it was a superb night. I loved it. Great European night at Celtic Park. But no, I, I totally agree with you, Lawrence. And I think that if you get that buy-in from the from the players, you're, you're more of a unit. Uh, and then you go into the next game and you're starting to fully believe, if you haven't already, uh, what the gaffer's telling you as you go out there. And I think that um, he's going to show us, it was unfortunate with the sending-offs, he's going to show us how he as a manager and as a coach has developed. And I think you can do that on the European stage this season as well. He's on record as that's what he wants judged on, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. so, 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 you know, and you know, Brendan doesn't like to fall short, does he? Absolutely so not. He, he'll he's, be doing everything in uh, 
his power to bring us success in Europe, to paraphrase someone else. Yeah, I, I think I remember that. Um, on, on the Maida, before we move on, uh, the quote I was reading this morning, which I found quite interesting from Chris Sutton, uh, he called him the steel of the century. Yes, very cheap acquisition was Dyson Maida. Um, Brendan Rogers reckon he's like a man up. Uh, if you come down to 10 men, we'll talk about that decision as well. And and I've said, uh, my opinion is he's, in, he's indispensable to Brendan, just as he was uh, under Ange Postacoglu as well. Patrick Harrell, welcome to the show. Afternoon, comrades, said Patrick. And um, we've got Joe Hamilton coming in. Good afternoon to the green and white troops around the globe. Hail, hail, yes. People will be tuning in from all over the globe. Celtic fans getting their 24-hour uh, fix of Celtic content from Axwell. John Sweeney, think the Motherwell game will be a tough game as Motherwell were unlucky on Sunday not to take something against Rangers. Yeah, they have been pretty impressive this season and it will be, without a doubt, a tough game. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, and I think also, you know, when we go on to the, the match, we'll, we'll talk about Joe Hart and the decisions and uh, the officials at the weekend first, though. Liam, I want to start with that because mm. at the time, I'm looking at the, the sending off and you comment on it as you see it at that moment in time. And then you come away from it, you see different angles, you see the sometimes it's difficult when you see like a, a still frame because things look completely different with a still frame and you listen to everybody's views on it. Um, now, it wasn't violent conduct he was sent off for, I believe, which would have resulted in a two-game ban. It's um, preventing a, a, a goal-scoring opportunity. So... The first question I would ask is, is Hatati's incident, which led to a penalty, was that not a goal-scoring opportunity? Should that not have been dealt with by a sending off as well, Liam? What was your take? It was a bit inconsistent, I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the the thing is with with referees, quite often you hear the excuse of, oh, well, it's no fair to give a penalty and send the guy off. Um, I'm sorry, but a red card's a red card. doesn't matter where on the pitch it happens. If it's a red card offence, it's a red card offence. And, yeah, that guy was the last man when he took out Hatati. He's got a direct shot on goal. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... If if Joe Hart was sent off because he was deemed to be preventing a direct goal-scoring opportunity, which I think is questionable because, I mean, all right, he took the guy out with a flying kick. I'd have been proud of him in my taekwondo days, right? But... Even then, is that where that big dagger's from? That big sword? <laughs> I don't know my martial arts, Liam. To be honest, uh, with you, no, I'm not no. sure. No, ta- taekwondo is strictly like uh, hands and feet. Um, <laughs> but no, I, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a magnificent flying kick. I'll give him that. Um, yeah, but it was. anyway, it the, was. The, the, the point is, though, that if you're going to say that's it's not violent conduct, but he's the last man. Actually, you know, the 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 levy player is running away from goal. Now Joe Hart is the goalkeeper, but there's a defender coming back. So he's not the la I don't think he's the last man in that sense, because even if, if the levy player gets around Joe Hart, he's at a tight angle and I think it was Liam Scales was tracking back into the centre. So uh, if if they had said it's for dangerous play or whatever because they hit him with like a throat high kick, fine, no got no get an issue with that. But I think the sending him off because he's because it's preventing a goal scoring opportunity, I don't agree with that. I don't think it was preventing a goal scoring opportunity because of the position of the attacker at the time Joe Hart took him out. 
Yeah, it's obviously we've heard about the the double jeopardy scenarios um, as well, Liam, with regards to you get the penalty, you you don't get the red card, etc. Uh, for me, the inconsistencies continued with the bookings. Mm. I was I was seeing Celtic players being booked. Liam Scales, I thought, was an awful decision to book Scales. I thought Scales was put in danger. Uh, from the Livingston player, and he's booked. And I could see Callum McGregor throughout the game. I, there's a wee wry grin coming on Lawrence's face here because we're talking about refs. I could see Callum <laughs> McGregor speaking to him, Lawrence, as if to say, you've, you're for real, mate. I mean, do you know the rules? I, I mean, listen, we went there, we'd done the job, we got the result, we came away under difficult circumstances, i.e. your goalie was sent off, we still managed to do the job. But sometimes these these moments can actually flip it. You know, they, they can flip the game for you. I t- totally, you know, you can pull the, the team together saying, look, this guy's giving us nothing. We're going to need to dig it out. Look, look, hearts are sending off, and for me, it's it's dangerous play. Goal scoring opportunity, I don't think the Levy player's ca- catching the ball. You know, he's knocked out his studs beyond Joe. I don't think he's catching the ball. Whether or not Lager Bielka's getting back, because it's, it's not last man through anyway, it's goal scoring opportunity. I don't think he's catching the ball. I don't think he's got a goal scoring opportunity. Hatati, he might say, well, it was a genuine attempt to play the ball. You're like, was it? Because he's never playing the ball from where he was. I think he's meant to take Katati out. It should be a red card. But the stop in the game, just after, you know, that challenge and scales, that scales ends up getting booked for. Yeah. Stops it for an injury to boy's shin. His head knocks you stop the game for a ref. I think that's what Callum's saying to him, you know, you need to know the rules here. You we'll know the rules. The ball, yeah. But attacking, what are you stopping the game for? Or a boy's hurt his shin. Yeah, he's hurt his shin because he... Ten scales out of the game. Oh, yeah, I am going to book scales for that. <laughs> just like, so you are booking him, but what, you didn't play advantage. Of, well, I didn't see him signal advantage, and he didn't certainly didn't give Lovey the free kick. What are you? Do you think you are booking him for? It was bizarre, mind blown, isn't it? Yeah, but John Beaton and strange decisions. You know that <laughs> we could have a whole that. show dedicated to them, Lawrence and somebody at the weekend. It, come, it cropped up on the comment section. That was Joe Hart's first red card of his career. And I've just checked that there, actually. 736 games of football. That That's for club. Uh, club football. 736 games, one red card. Yeah, also- I think Scales as a boy was a bit deep, wasn't he? And that's kind of led to Hart having to make the, the challenge. Yeah. But- you know, for, for me, it's you know, it's dangerous play. It's, 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 oh, I, I don't, I don't light, disagree light with the red card. I, I agree with you. When it happened, that's definitely two game bad. Uh, listen, if we get away with one game bad, happy days. But I thought that's that's dangerous. He's out of control. He's dangerous. Endangering an opponent. It's not like him. I think no, it's, making. it's definitely not like him. It's his first red card of his career and he's 36 years of age. And actually, before we move on, I just want to talk about Joe Hart because up to that point where he gets the red card, and I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, there's a mistake in him, etc., etc. I thought Joe Hart had, had been absolutely key to the run of games we're talking about. Uh, the fact that we didn't lose our discipline other than the two red cards against Feyenoord because he's got two guys who are changing every other week leading up to Lagerbelk and Skills then settling as the, the, the central defensive partnership. And I think Hart has been key to that, Liam, the way that he's managed to be the leader within that scenario. And he's played a lot better as well as a result of the slight change that, that Rodgers has implemented. I mean, the red card kind of overshadowed it, but for the third game in a row, he mm-hmm. made an absolutely superb, absolutely vital save when it was still nothing each. You know, that's that's what wins you games. You yeah. know, and that's where goalkeepers often don't get credit. 
it's like, aye, okay, you know, Kyogo, just for example, if Kyogo scores a hat-trick at the other end, you say, aye, but then, you know, what if Joe Hart makes two or three world-class saves before Kyogo gets his first goal? You know, as a goalkeeper, when I used to play, I would have said, well, Joe Hart deserves as much credit as Kyogo in that regard, but people would disagree with that, and the headlines would not be about Joe Hart. But I think that in the last three games, he has been as important as our goal scorers in terms of the saves that he's made. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. We spoke about the the quality of the partnership over the two seasons under Ange, being Catler Vickers and Starfield. You, you you just talk about those two, but obviously Joe Hart's a massive part of that as well. He's behind them. Uh, there's an understanding, and I think that you know you remove Starfield from it, you're not just losing the player, you're losing the partnership. You know that that trio. Mm. So we're we're working hard to try and build that up again. Double denim. Yeah, you have been following the socials, I think. Team Jerry, I'll just leave this here in support of Axom's own holy goalie. <laughs> Jerry Taylor has got himself into the mix with this St. Rock's game and he's been challenged to various things up at the park, which he's only too happy to take uh, on the chin. So I'll be following that one with interest um, as well. By the way, uh, there's lots and lots of great positive comments coming in uh, in relation to Stephen Mullen. Yeah. Urban Culture missed the show. Is Stevie coming back? Not on a permanent basis. Stevie Mullen is always welcome on this show. That's for sure. He's a busy guy. He's got other commitments, but you know you will see him popping up from time to time on Axon because he's a, a very, very close friend of a Celtic state of mind. There's no doubt about it. And RL77, is there a definite date for Jotter's return yet? And the response <laughs> from Danielle is, Jotter's off to Spurs, don't kid yourself. Uh, I've seen all the all the comments around that, and I think that the biggest thing that I would say, who knows what the future holds for Jotter, but I think it's a cautionary tale, Lawrence. I mean... Everybody, you know, I'm not saying everybody, but it's money, money, money. That's all you hear about the, the, the Saudi Arabian um, financial invasion of football globally. It's all about the money, you know. And I think that, that this is a case in point where Jota didn't leave Celtic for anything except money. Let's be honest, right? It wasn't because there's a platform there that's going to get him uh, closer, I don't think, to international success. It's not, you know, as if he's going to go there and win... Uh, Awards. That's not why he's going there. He's going there for money. And I don't, I, listen, I didn't blame him at the time and I'm not criticising him. But your career, the wheels can come off your career, Lawrence. And I mean, if he doesn't play for six months, that can affect him. If he doesn't play for longer, that can affect him. And I think it's actually quite a sad tale because this is a player who was absolutely flying. He come through as a prodigy through the, the Benfica system. Didn't quite work out for him. He comes to Celtic. We put him on a platform. He excels on a platform, Champions League. And you're thinking to yourself, he is a player that will move on at some point. It probably came earlier than we expected. But for me, it's a sad and cautionary tale that money doesn't solve everything, does it? What's it, 196 a week tax-free or something? Is it something like that? Do you know a lot of money. <laughs> Signed a three-year contract, so he's, you know, probably... Isn't it just tax-free while he's over there, though? Looking to get maybe two years out of there and get out of there. My heart bleeds for him, mate. You know, he's chased <laughs> the money, and guess what? Not, not any transfer is guaranteed to work, so... You know, he's I forgot his Lawrence doesn't care. The minute you walk out the, the doors at Celtic Park, <laughs> you no longer care. I mean, I'd like to thank him for the 25 million, and we've added that to the 46 million, and now get 71 million in the bank. Mm. Well, thanks very much. But, you know, as you said, he, he's made a decision based on money. He doesn't want to play for Celtic anymore. Good luck to you. You know, it's not worked out. Uh, you know, he's sitting there counting his cash. He's getting almost a million a month. 
Lawrence. Lucky guy. Do, do, you, like, do you like Kieran Tierney? Do you still like Kieran? Kieran. Oh, yeah, he used to play for us. He was all right, mate. He's moved on. He's not a Danny McGrain. Danny had a season at I might just prefer Greg Taylor and Alistair Bonson just now. I love it. I love it. Listen, I, I, I should have known the answer I was going to get for you there, Lawrence. What about you, Liam? Um, well, it's not about sympathy. I'm just saying, you know, everybody just thinks, oh, that's money. You're going to chase the money. Of course you're going to go. But what if it derails a player's career? I'm reminded of some wise words a friend of mine once said. Um, money does not buy happiness, but it's a damn sight easier to cry in a Ferrari than it is on a bike. So <laughs> there is that. Um, but is that no? Is that no? What Lawrence is driving these days? But the um, the the thing is, um, the Saudi thing is so short term that I do not blame any player for cashing in on that while it's there. I don't blame any club, Celtic, for taking funny money for, you know, one of their players from one of their clubs. Because the exact same thing that happened in China a few years ago is going to happen in Saudi. They're going to reach a point about maybe three, four, five years from now where they realise we've spent all this money and the national team is still utter mince. Mm -hmm. What was the point? Happened with the Chinese Super League but 10 years ago, they started buying up all these foreigners and throwing funny money at it. China still cannot get near a World Cup. They're one of the worst teams in Asia. And it's because there's been absolutely no youth development. It's been all about money, money, money. The Chinese Super League is utterly corrupt. Um, clubs are going bankrupt left, right and centre because they've been spending money they don't have. Um we know a thing or two about that in Scotland as well. Yeah. <laughs> but the same thing will happen in Saudi if they don't pivot back towards actually trying to develop Saudi players because the Saudi national team are, you know, they got that shock result against Argentina at the last World Cup, which was, you know, one of the biggest shocks in the history of the World Cup. They still didn't make it out of the group. There was there was also that shock back in 1989 when their under-16 team turned up and they were all about 23 and they beat Scotland in the final. You remember that? Oh, um, yeah. yeah. What was uh, that yeah, once? Brian O'Neill played. He did. He did. He scored in the semi. He scored in the semi against Portugal. I was at that game, actually. And uh, Figo was playing in midfield for Portugal, under 16s. I know. I think he'd done all right. And uh, the semi was played at Tynecastle. I remember going to the game. And, of course, as you say, Brian O'Neill and and Jim Beattie uh, played for the Scotland team. um, Sadly, passed on very, very recently, having suffered MND. So, uh, great memories. But, the, the thing with the Saudi Arabian Pro League, the Saudi Pro League, and I mentioned it last week, um, the attendances, Liam, mm. generally are pretty poor. And there's a lot of these games that are that are not registering over a 1,000 uh, through their, their turnstiles, if you still use turnstiles. Um, but I'd go even further back, and it was the American, the NASL, you know, for all the glitz and the glamour in the box office and Beckenbauer and Pelly and George Best and, and all these Cruyff and Lennox and Jinky, an incredible, an, an incredible experience. And there's documentaries out there and books out there and it was phenomenal and colourful and all that. What they didn't do is they didn't build academies back then. And, you know, the, what we see now in America, I think it's maybe the third or fourth bite of the cherry, Liam, before they got it right, before they yeah. started producing uh, their own talent. The MLS so, is, a great, is a great league to watch now, and mm-hmm. it's and this is not in any way a slight on Im- immigrants or anything like that, but it's 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 good because the majority of the players are American. They are developing their own players now 
rather than importing players from it from elsewhere. And a league grows organically when you do that. When you're not having to pump in all this money to bring in players from abroad. I mean, all right, Messi still went there for funny money, and that's utterly ridiculous. Um, uh, you know, Inter Miami are going to end up completely pricing themselves out of the market because, like, tickets for those games are now going for like five or six hundred dollars a pop, and that is just absolutely scandalous. That the league should step in and say, "Wait a minute, that's just totally out of the the reach of the ordinary fan." Um, it must be a real pisser if you're if you're an an Inter Miami fan who has been going to games for a couple of years and suddenly they sign this superstar and tickets prices go up by a thousand percent. It's scandalous. You know, it's, it's, it's not fair. It's not no, fair. It definitely is not. Keith Oakden, always great to see you coming in from Plymouth as well. Hopefully you're doing well and the weather is good for you as well. Marquee, our squad's finally starting to look like a quality European unit. I imagine it'll get stronger still over the winter. This is a thing going into the Lazio game. Um, it might not be the, the free-flowing uh, kind of football that we were accustomed to under Ange Postacoglu, but as Liam said before, we might be able to craft a result because of the gamesmanship and, and the, the game plan of Brendan Rodgers. Eileen Hackett, greetings from Sedari, Corfu, Beer and the Pool. Thanks for making us jealous on this dull, <laughs> damp, dreek Tuesday afternoon. And um, we've got Jamie, 7121, hail, hail from New Zealand. Uh, clock change has pushed the show to 12.30 a.m. I know that uh, Liam's night time and as soon as this finishes, he'll be away for something to eat. Uh, so we do appreciate everybody's commitment to coming in and talking about Celtic. Xander Mack would be tremendous if it was streamed live. We're talking, of course, of the centenary game. Xander, the St. Rock's game up at Jimmy McGrory, James McGrory, rather, Park. And I think that uh, we'll do everything we can to stream it. And if we stream it, We'll be doing it live and we'll be doing it free and, and hopefully we'll be able to do that. Technology, it's all down to the technology. Hopefully there's a way around it. And John Sweeney can't see Jota returning and Ange's on alert about his situation, so could be EPL bound. I don't know what it is, John, but I, I'm just not taking it um, seriously, the, the, the Jota to Celtic kind of rumours. I'm not. I don't think it's going to happen and I think that you're probably right. He will end up going to the EPL. I want to talk about... Not only Rogers' use of the squad, but some of the comments that he's making. He spoke about Lawrence, um, certain people trying to drive a wedge early on in his uh, second period as Celtic manager. He's talking about twisting the narrative, um, delivering loaded questions and all this kind of stuff. Brendan knows, however, how to deal with that, doesn't he? He's de- I, mean, I mean, the way that he deals with the media, he's an absolute pro when it comes to it. Yeah, he knows how to deal with it. Yeah. Have a depleted squad, and you go to Ibrox and you win. You put your game plan in the action, and you put them back in the box. And I think that's maybe infuriated the more it's certainly provoked a reaction amongst their fan base. They've got a realization when Brendan Rodgers is leading a Celtic team, invariably they lose. Because that is it. You know, Celtic will will beat them and beat them well and quite comfortably, even with a depleted team. And that's what Brendan gives us. I think he's lost, what, one game in 18 or something against the one game in 17. So they're, they're looking down at another three years of that. And they're not happy. But, you know, why would you be? But it's, uh, it's a hard life for them. And they have my sympathy. But, yeah. Oh, come I'd on. Watching. Say it like Brendan you mean it, Lawrence. They, ha- they have my sympathy, he says. <laughs> but watching Brendan build his team, he's not going to be derailed by, no. you know, Whatever the Scottish press say, I'm sure him and Peter aren't going to fall out by an, art, an article that appears in the Daily Record or the Sun. <laughs> Come on, 
you've got to wonder what these guys are are trying to achieve. You know, they're playing to a, a never dwindling audience that their professional skills has built or diminished their audience. You know, mm-hmm. by being cheerleaders for a certain team. You know, and they can go ahead and do that. I don't think anyone be any sense within the Celtic support or within the walls of Celtic Park play a blind bit of difference to what they say. No, no, you're right. And and by the way, obviously with regards to the, the changing media landscape, Liam was involved, uh, qualified journalist, worked in the game uh, yourself. It's completely changed. Of course it is. And, yeah. and I think the next change is it's just going to be called media. This term is going to completely stop. Uh, you can have someone yeah. on a YouTube uh, channel speaking to six and a half million subscribers who's not mainstream and in inverted yeah. commas. I mean, the, the whole thing has evolved. And, uh, you know, I, I read a comment last week that was um, Celtic fan media should be burned to the ground. And this was a Celtic fan saying that. And I find it absurd. I find it absurd that on the one hand, you've got a, a mainstream media that the same person would have complained about probably for 30 years. And then you've got you know, the voice of fans. I'm not going to say the voice of reason, the voice of fans. <laughs> and also trying to bring in as many comments from other people engaged with other people watching the show um, as well. You've got Celtic fan channels who take mics up to the ground and ask people's, you know, reactions straight after the game. Um, and I think it's healthy. I think it's good. And it's going back. It's just using different technology to do what the old fanzines used to do back in the 80s and the 90s. Um, so it's here to stay. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I, th- I found that a bizarre comment. Um, but thankfully, uh, we have been nominated for a couple of awards within the sphere of football content. And what I noticed over the years going to these awards is it isn't just fan or alternative media. You're up against Sky Sports and the BBC and all this kind of stuff. So when you go down there and win an award, it's, it's a real accolade and we're going down anyway. Uh, if nothing else, Lawrence, we'll have a night out in Liverpool down at Anfield. Uh, but we are up for a couple of awards. So if you do, if you're that way inclined, you fancy giving us a wee vote, you want to help us have a fantastic night down on the 16th of November, then give us a vote. The link's underneath this particular video and we're up for Best Club Content Creator International and Best Podcast International. The reason that's a category is because they separate some of the big English channels away from everybody else. So I think we're in there with Barcelona and stuff like that. So we'll beat them in the past. We can beat them again. Liam, there's another wee link under there. Tell us a wee bit about what you're doing. You're doing a bit of fundraising at the moment. Yeah. Um, October um, is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, I think it's a worldwide thing, but I know it's definitely a thing in Australia. Um, and uh, my, my my comrades at Celtic Down Under and I are coming together to, to try and raise a few quid for the uh, Black Dog Institute, which is a mental health charity based in Australia, but which has a widespread impact, helping a lot of people in a lot of different places. Um, Basically, one in every five of us is going to have a mental health issue at some point. Um, I don't think that my uh, people on Axom, the people on Taylor will mind me saying that amongst our contributors, there are people, myself included, who have had mental health issues in the past. And some of us are still fighting those battles. Um, You know, tomorrow, uh, it will mark one year since my father-in-law sadly passed away. And my wife is still dealing with that and getting mental health support as a result of that. So mental health is an absolutely vital service that everybody needs as much access to as they can possibly get. Because you never know what people are going through. You never know what, you know, 
what's going on fully until you sit down and talk to somebody. Now, what are we doing? We are doing um, sponsored walk. Now, if you click on the link that we've we've supplied with today's show, um, there is a donation page. Uh, it says that I have pledged to walk um, 150 kilometers during the month of October. I tell you now, that was the highest number I could select on the page. I'm saying now live for everybody else, I'm going to double that. I'm going to do 300 kilometers. I'm going to walk an average of 10 kilometers a day, come rain, wind, shine, typhoon, whatever, during the month of October. Fair I point. want to raise as much money as I can for this charity. And I know that our viewers have a... Look, I know everybody's got a cost of living crisis just now. Fully respect that, fully understand that. Here's what I'm going to do. As soon as my next payday comes round, I'm going to chuck 100 Australian dollars into the pot, okay? And for every $100 Australian that our group can amass in that fund, I'll chuck in another tenner, okay? Um, so let's just get this going. Let's get as much money as we can for mental health, and let's just run with this. Brilliant. Well done, Liam. Absolutely well done. And I think we mentioned The Rock before. They've got a great group, Rock Talk, up at James McGrory Park. And it's just about getting people together, having a, a bit. I'm not going to get any square sausage and lawn sausage and slice and all that. Having a roll on sausage and going for a walk and a wee blether and all that kind of stuff. And it's key. It's absolutely vital. And we get messages all the time. I'm not an expert, but if anybody wants to speak to somebody about mental health or struggles that you're having, you get in touch with us. And if we can't help you directly, then we, we know people who can. Um, so there are people out there struggling absolutely and what you're doing Liam is fantastic well done and uh, I'm pretty sure anyone who can back that and get behind it will and those who can't will support you um, as well well I would say key. as well just to, 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 be, to make sure that everybody knows I'm not at it um, got the Fitbit and the the charity fund is synced directly with my watch it tracks how many steps I take every day I've done 15 kilometres today That'll be up on the app. You can actually go on Good the man. app and you can see that. Good so. man. You know, you know the thing, right? I, I'm, I'm going to have to do it, right? But because I don't want to make an absolute fool of myself, I need a bit of practice, right? But mm. people always go on, Lawrence. And by the way, I wasn't a footballer. I knew some brilliant footballers, right? And, uh, you know, you, you see me hobbling around James McGrory Park with Stevie. You know I'm not a footballer, right? I, I walk with a limp. And, uh, but I'm going to do something with the old keep you up. I'm not going to reveal what what it is but a wee bit of practice and and I think I can maybe raise some dough because nobody I think people would say aye there's no way I can give you that money because there's no way you're going to do this but I need to practice um, Are you going to do a talk Conley? Uh, potentially mate potentially it could be a wandering paradise with a football let's let's see how we can uh, how how many takes that would take right um, but aye so let's you're, do you're something You're going to do it at half time during the game? Yeah, the rock versus what, in front. No, in front of ten people was bad enough. Been stream live. <laughs> no, I'm not well, doing stream live. If you have any issues, we keep you up. Here. My doctor says there's tablets you can get for that, so don't don't worry about it. <laughs> Liam, Liam. <laughs> um, the reason I brought up Mantis Toboggan MD is not because of his brilliant avatar, but not sure our game plan is working as such. And it's all about bringing in balance. If you disagree, that's great. We got a 1-0 at Ibrox amidst an injury crisis and dug out a 3-0 win, uh, sorry, with 10 men versus Livingston. But 11 v 11 with a full squad, we've not actually been that good so far. Right. I don't think we were at our best against Ross County or, or uh, 
Aberdeen or Kilmarnock or, in, or indeed St. Johnson. I, so I'd get what you mean. But I think what's happened is obviously he's come in quite, you know, he's come in to the club, Lawrence. He's, he's inherited a team. He's trying to put his, his mark on that team. He's tried a few things that maybe haven't worked. He's maybe reverted back to what they were doing before. He's tried a few changes that have worked. So I think there's also been that transitional period where you probably did expect, but maybe shouldn't have expected the performances to happen straight away. And I think we've seen enough signs against Rangers, Feyenoord and against Livingston. Listen, not perfect performances by any stretch, but I think we've seen enough signs that once the, the full team is in, in flow, that Brennan Rodgers is getting us firing. And by the way, we're unbeaten. The mess yeah, the league. yeah, in the league, yeah. You know, you've had one draw. Look, the, the team's in transition, we know that. But we've lost at least... Well, we've sold two starters. We've got others out injured. So there's been a big effect on the first team. You know, and they need to come together and start operating as a team. And you can see that week in week. I think it's getting better. We've done that despite an injury crisis, despite a hand run of fixtures, away fixtures for us. You know, we've been over to Ibrooks, to Pitodre, Livingston. The, the fixture computer, it's not been kind to us, you know, and given us that run of away games. We've got Tain Castle on Easter Road as well. In the first, yeah. yeah. So despite that, we're putting the points on the board. Mm-hmm. Brendan's get, getting the players to start to buy in. Players that people said, oh, he's a wee bit out of form, he's going to go and join Ange. You know, they're coming back to form. Taylor's coming back to form. He's getting much more out of Matt O'Reilly than I'd seen under Ange. A, a lot more out of him. So, and for, for all you know, it's not the first choice defensive partner. Ship scales on Lagabielka. Lager Whatever he's telling them to do, they're not losing goals in the league. No. You, you, you know, I, and you've got to give them credit with it, Stuart. You know, as much as you say, oh, not look brilliant. Well, I think at least a third of the first team has changed. You know, we've got some new players in. We've got a hard run away games. Bit of an injury crisis. Are we going to look like we do with a first-choice 11 that have got 20 games under their belt with this manager and playing together? No, not, not at this stage of the season, but we don't need to. We just need to get points on the board just now. And we need to start building that team and that confidence in it. I think Brendan's doing that. I mean, he knows how to build winning football teams. And I think that's probably what the the realisation that's dawning in the Scottish media. For all that's been thrown at him in terms of injury crises and losing players that he might not want to lose and hard away fixtures, he's still putting about the points on the board. We're still, still talking about results. Still getting yeah. results. And the media favourites are, tell you what, if it's not working for us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not working for them. Good off the park at home. Yeah. Bilbo, I don't know what's happened to Bilbo. You know, he doesn't seem that popular. Pretty soon, I don't know, we'll maybe see Davey Martindale having a pint in the Loudoun before, you know, two weeks later <laughs> get announced as manager or something. You know, it, it, it seem to be on that track. Uh, you might bump into John Beaton while he's in there. <sighs> Well, whatever happens uh, over there um, with the challengers, with Rangers, that's their bag. I think that, as you're right, we're putting in the, they're getting the results and we'll start putting in the performances that will come. It definitely will come. Um, Tamboy88, I heard one had a good game against Air. There's another point from Ali, G75. Apparently, Tilio didn't shot well. I heard this from my nephew who was in goals for Air United. I just think the key is with that is more games like that is what these boys need. They need to get Aye. games in their legs against, listen, Air United Championship team, they were top of the league for a spell. 
last season. It's a much better challenge than training or a, a lowland league, a, a fifth-tier Scottish football game. So I think we need to get more games somehow. We need to arrange that. Listen, brilliant, 900 strong on uh, the live stream today, this Tuesday afternoon. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And uh, let us know what you think of some of the points that we've raised today. Let us know in the comments section underneath the video as well. If you want to comment, all you need to do is subscribe to the channel. We've got lots coming up both on the channel and on the live stage as well. We'll keep you up to date with that during the podcast and on the socials. All that's left for me to say, come back to us and see us tomorrow at 12.30. Thank you to Liam Carrigan and Lawrence Conley for joining us on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.